Amen. It's easy to relate, isn't it? I have been all three, and yet I'm thankful for that great love. The Bible says wherewith he loved us, and that's why it's great. Whether you are the doubter, whether you were Barabbas, no matter who you are and where you've been or what you've done, I'm thankful uh, that his love was greater than my sin, and where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Aren't you glad for that tonight? It is good to see you here, and I hope you had a good afternoon, and hope you got a little bit of a nap, and I uh, hope you don't finish the nap you didn't get in church tonight. Uh, I promise I'll not keep you any longer than God would have us to, but I know God's given us something, and we're going to preach what he's given us. Take your Bibles, turn to the New Testament, toward the back to the book of Titus. The book of Titus, when you get to chapter 3, go ahead and stand together. Uh, good to see Brother Coates, Mrs. Coates back there tonight. Always good to have our folks here and glad the Lord blessed them to be able to come tonight. Glad to have the bakers again. And uh, I've told Brother Aaron, I think it was the other day, that if they keep hanging around, we're just going to hold on to them. Amen? Uh, I could always use good, more good folks here. And uh, we're glad to have them and appreciate them being here. Continue to pray for little Samuel. Uh, Miss Leslie spent the morning up there at the hospital with Miss Laura. My brother Aaron was here, and I hear she got some snuggles in. Uh, I think that's why she went. I don't know if she went to be a blessing to Miss Laura or not, to be honest with you. I just think she went to get some snuggles from that little one. But uh, you continue to pray for him and them. Uh, they have a wonderful team up there helping them look after him. As Chrissy, uh, the Lord blessed again. She's up there with them and helping look out and maybe get a little extra sleep knowing there's someone good there uh, on the job. So pray for them. Pray for our families tonight. Uh, we have three in our church this week grieving the home going of loved ones. We need to pray for them. Pray that God would give grace to them. Titus chapter number three. I'm trying to decide where to jump in. Uh, maybe just read the verse and give you some context tonight. Uh, if you would, just look down to verse number eight. We're just going to read one verse. Uh, we'll go back and catch some context here in just a minute. Titus chapter number three, look down to verse eight. The Bible says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for that great love. Thank you, Father, for loving me, Lord, uh, before I was saved, Lord, sending your son to die that I could be saved. Thank you, Father, even after, Lord, I've been saved and, Lord, one of the times that I have, like Peter, walked away from you, thank you for your faithfulness to me. I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, uh, to see that it's your goodness that leads us to repentance and help us, Father. Tonight, through your word, I pray you'd challenge us. I pray the message be made clear by your spirit. Bless the invitation time. Be with our people with the needs tonight. Uh, those grieving, Father, those in the hospital, those, Lord, waiting tests, just give grace. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The other day, I was looking down my to-do list, and uh, I have many to-do lists on my phone, and uh, some of them go back uh, months, some of them go back years uh, of things that I put on my to-do list to do. Uh, and there's one thing, uh, usually when I do what is on that list, I touch the circle uh, and it disappears. And I don't know about you, but I love it when I can check something off my list. Uh, there is a wonderful, euphoric feeling of accomplishment uh, when you can check something off your list. Could I just encourage you tonight? You're going to think I'm joking, but I'm not. Put some easy things on your list. Seriously. All right, start in the morning. Put on there, get out of bed. 
All right? Uh, and that way when you do that, you've accomplished something. And then all of a sudden, whatever those chemicals are that release in your brain, uh, that suddenly you're like, man, I, I'm on a roll. All right? Then put brush your teeth on there. Uh, get that one knocked out. Eat some breakfast. That's an easy one to do, and it's one you're going to enjoy. Uh, then put on there, go to work. Before you know it, you have this snowball of accomplishment rolling, uh, and you never know what you might accomplish. Some of you men, like me, you might even make your way to taking out the garbage. Who knows? You may accomplish great things for God through the course of a day, but it's nice to be able to knock things out, isn't it? The other day, I was looking at something on my to-do list, and it goes back, this is no joke, five years. It's been on, yeah, that's bad, isn't it? It's been on there five years. Uh, the, I hope you're not a husband who has things on there that's been there five years. But I purposely left this one. Uh, I put it on there before I ever moved back to Mississippi. Uh, simply put on my to-do list, it says, do better. Do better. Uh, I forget what was going on in my life at that time. Uh, the Lord blessed. We had built and grown our church and things were going well. Uh, but I didn't want to get complacent. I wanted our church to continue to grow and to build, and I, I made myself a note when I talked to that invisible lady on my phone. I'm not going to call her name because she'll talk to me on my watch, but I'll tell her, hey, remind me tomorrow, and I put on there, do better. When I scroll through my to-do list, it is still there five years later, those simple words as a reminder that I need to do better. And by the way, I think each and every one of us ought to have that on our to-do list every day. That every day that we wake up, listen, not necessarily just as a husband, a wife, a young person, uh, not that. I'm talking about as a child of God. That every day that we wake up on our to-do list, we have a desire to do better. And by the way, if we're all honest tonight, I believe all of us could agree that we could do better. Uh, that by the grace of God, I, I want to be a better Christian tomorrow than I was today. I want to be a better pastor tomorrow than I was today. And each and every day, we ought to be burdened about doing better. Now, as we look at the book of, of Titus, uh, if I could really just sum up the book of Titus, uh, I'm going to read for you the chapter heading in my Bible. I have a Paul's Leather Company Bible, and whoever wrote the, uh, the chapter and the uh, book headings really nailed this one down. It says, Titus, a young pastor, faces the unenviable assignment of setting in order the church at Crete. Uh, you read in your Bible, Paul says, I left you there to set in order things that were wanting or things that were lacking. Uh, you look down chapter 2, it begins, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And he just goes down a list. Titus would not be embraced in 2023, I assure you of that. You keep reading down chapter 3, verse 1, watch this, put them in mind to be subject. He just goes down this grocery list of things to set in order at the church of Crete things that they needed to do better. Now, folks, tonight, this is every bit of the Word of God for you and I. We read the Word of God that He preserved for us, and these are things that our Father not only wants us to do, but on a daily basis grow to do better. And I'm thankful the grace of God is sufficient for that. Look, I hope you never grow up as a Christian fully and completely. Who was it, Peter Pan? Was it Peter Pan that never grew up? All right, that's kind of Christian you ought to be, that you never get full grown where you get satisfied at the place you are. Watch, because the grace of God is sufficient on each passing day to help us do better. I mean, look, you can be a better mom and a better wife and a better husband, a better dad. You young people, believe it or not, and much to the doubt of your parents, you can be better tomorrow than you were today. Your parents are like, I ain't sure about that one. I promise you, you can. Why? The grace of God is sufficient. 
But there's something in verse number 8 tonight, it's a very, very simple thought, where he really conveys to them this thought and this idea of being better and doing better. Let's read it again, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly. He says, I, I want you to put this in front of the people constantly. Don't just give them this instruction that, hey, let's do a little bit better tomorrow than we did today. He says, no, constantly. Do you know why he ought to affirm it constantly? Because we can constantly do better, and we can constantly be better. So here's the burden that he's got here. Affirm it constantly. What is it? That they which have believed in God might be careful, watch this, to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. I believe verse number 8 tonight really outlines two, maybe three things that God would have us be burdened about in being better. Now, being burdened about it is great, but there's a lot of things tonight that I'm burdened about that I never act on. Anybody else in the same boat? Uh, I mean, I'm burdened about souls. I want to see people saved. I'm burdened about brokenhearted people. I'm burdened about people that are grieving the loss of loved ones. But how often do we ignore our burdens? How often does God burden us to go witness to our neighbor or our coworker, and we ignore those burdens? But can I tell you something? When we come before God, whether he calls us home in the rapture or we die and we stand before the Lord, I'll promise you at that point, we would have been burdened to be better than we were when we left here. But by then, it's going to be a little bit too late. So tonight, I, I want to pull apart verse number 8 for a few minutes, if we could, and a message very simply entitled, The Burden to Be Better. The burden to be better, and that's what verse 8 is talking about. And I'm going to show you three things, two things maybe, uh, if you're nice and smile and amen. If not, I'll give you the third one, okay? Verse number 8, watch what he says. This is a faithful saying in these things. I will thou affirm constant, uh, constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful. Now watch this next section here. To maintain good works. To maintain good works. Tonight, the burden to be better and to do better as a child of God. Watch this. You need to understand this very first truth. It's simple, but it's important. Maintenance is a must. If we want to be better and we want to do better, we've got to focus in on that word where the Bible says that we be careful to maintain good works. Maintenance has got to be a must. If we want to be a better child of God and we want to do more tomorrow than we did today, we have got to be careful to maintain good works. Now, let me stop right there and just say this. We're not maintaining our salvation. Aren't you glad? Look, if you had to maintain your salvation, I hate to tell you, it'd be like that wisteria plant I, I talked about this morning. You're never going to maintain that thing. It's going to get out of control and climb all over the woods. You can't maintain it. Look, I'm glad I don't have to maintain my salvation. It'd be a 24-7 job. You think cutting your grass? Well, we don't have to cut grass lately, right? Because it's crunchy. Uh, it's dead, right? You think cutting your grass is something you have to maintain? Or, or, or maybe your looks. You have to work hard at maintaining your looks. Can I tell you, if you had to maintain your salvation, it'd be a full-time job. But thanks be to God tonight, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Bible says that I have everlasting life. Do you know what everlasting means? It lasts forever. Right? I looked it up in the Greek. That's what it means. Everlasting means it lasts forever. I, you know, you have that everlasting gobstopper. I, I've never got people who like jawbreakers and gobstoppers. You know, I think the people that invented that were dentists. I really do. Because they get more work out of the deal. 
And you're thinking, I'm never ever going to eat through this thing. Can I tell you, you will never ever find the end of your life that you found in Christ. So thanks be to God, you don't have to maintain that. What is he talking about? Well, he says to maintain good works. Can I tell you tonight, oh, what a wonderful thought. The good work that God began in your life the day you got saved didn't just stop right there. God's like, well, I saved your soul from hell. I did a good work in your life. All right. Hey, I'll see you in eternity. It's not the way that it works. God desires to continually work that good work in our life. Philippians 1.6 spells it out. The Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath, what? Begun a good work. When I got saved, that's where the good work of God began in my life. But here's the good news. It didn't end there, nor should it end there. The sad thing is so many of us, we get saved, we get born again, and we're excited about being saved, and yet the good work of God stops with our salvation. What a shame. What a shame. Look, there ought to be something inside of us tonight. Look, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Four minutes, 40 years, 400 years. It doesn't matter tonight. There ought to be a burden inside of us to be better. Why? Because God says we can be, and God expects that of us. He said, how do you know? Watch what he says. To maintain good works. God desires the good work that he began in salvation to keep going. Now, folks, I don't know about you tonight. I just see the goodness and greatness of my God in the fact that he doesn't just save us. Can I tell you, I mean, God could have, watch, saved us from hell. And looked down at us and thought, you know, I've done enough for you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to talk to you until we get to eternity. He'd been well within his rights to do that. Why? We took the life of his only begotten son. And yet, no, watch this, he adopts us, we become the sons and daughters of God, and now that good work that he began in salvation, he desires to it continue. But here's the deal, it's got to be maintained. It's got to be maintained. Not salvation, but the good work that God began in you. Now, here's what I want you to think about tonight. How many good things do you have in your life that stay good without maintenance? How many good things do you have in your life that stay good without maintenance? I'll, I'll give you an easy one. I was going down the road the other day. I have a smart car, all right? Smart car, dumb guy, don't always mix, uh, but I'm thankful for it because it tells me when I need to do maintenance on my car. I think my car even reports me to the dealership. I really do uh, because it'll tell me my time for the oil change is coming around, and suddenly I get an email uh, from the Chevy dealership. I'm like, is my car tattling on me to avoid my warranty? I mean, you can't trust anybody, even your cars nowadays, because they'll tell on you. The other day, I'm going down Highway 49, and all of a sudden, it went, dong, dong, dong. And I look on the, the dashboard, and it was telling me that my tire was just a little bit low. It wasn't terribly low, but a little bit low. So I, I get out, and I put air in my tires. Wouldn't it be great if you put air in your tires and you never had to do anything else with it? Just put it in there once, and like Ron Popeil said about that, you know, uh, that, that pasta maker that he had, just set it and forget it, right? But no, I promise you, that light's going to come on in a few more months. The air gets cold, and the, 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 the air in the tires begins to contract. I'm going to have to put more air in the tires. Why? Because if I want to keep a good air pressure in my tire, I have to maintain it. I have to maintain it. Think about a garden. I haven't planted one in a while. I probably am on the 10 most wanted list for plant killers in the world. They probably have a picture of me hanging somewhere in the plant killers uh, society of America. But you know, if you have a garden, you go out and you plant that garden, you plow that garden, you plant the garden, you fertilize that garden, and man, you've got something good going. 
And just before long, next thing you know, you find something in there you didn't put there, a weed. Or maybe you find out that you put something there and it grew and now it's not there anymore because a deer ate it. You're thinking, well, I had something good going here. I remember Leslie and I, we planted squash. We both love squash. And we planted all of these squash, and we're just thinking, we get to grow our own squash. How awesome is that? And we're going to have freezers full of squash. And I love squash casserole. Uh, I love fried squash. I love grilled squash. It is just, I love squash. We planted all these little squash. And when you get your first one, we didn't have kids at the time. You get your first little one on there, you feel like a proud parent. Yes! I have grown something. You feel more like a mature adult when you grow something. And we had that first little squash there, and it's coming along, and the blossom's there. And I'm like, we are doing this. We are pioneers out here growing our own food. And then you come back the next day, and it's gone. What happened? Something comes along that also likes squash. Maybe your neighbor. <laughs> Who knows? And they come along, and that deer ate it, or that rabbit ate it, and you're like, wait a minute, I had a beautiful, good little squash here. What happened? You didn't maintain it. You see, just because you have something good now doesn't mean you're going to have something good later. you got to be burdened about maintaining that. Matthew chapter 13, oh, we see a beautiful picture. The Bible says that a man sowed good seed in his field. You know what that means? He had something good going. He had something good going. But then the Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat. What happened? He didn't maintain it. He fell asleep. Can I tell you tonight, oh, God desires for us to be so much better than we are, but we're not burdened enough about it to maintain it. We've got to be willing to be attentive to the good things that God desires to do in our life. Think about Adam and Eve. They had a garden. You know what the Bible says about that garden? The Bible says it was good. Everything that God made in that garden, boy, it was good. I, I can only imagine what that garden was like, trying to imagine God creating a perfect world. And that garden was a perfect place, perfect atmosphere. What did he tell Adam and Eve? He said, just keep it. You got something good, just keep it. And I don't know how long it was, but it doesn't seem like very long. They didn't let it get out of hand. Thorns and thistles and briars and poison ivy. What happened? Well, they didn't maintain the good that they have. Somebody said this about marriage once. It says, marriages are made in heaven, but must be maintained on earth. You ought to put that one on your refrigerator. Marriages are made in heaven. I, I'm, th I'm thankful that I have the person that God made for me. She is my helpmeet. She surrendered to marry me, you know. All right, Lord, I'll do it. And I believe... It was a divine appointment that God brought my dear wife to me in that little green helicopter and landed it there. Oh, I'm so thankful for my wife. I believe I have a marriage that was made in heaven, but can I tell you, just because it was made in heaven doesn't mean it doesn't have to be maintained on earth. That means if you want a better marriage tomorrow and a better marriage the next day, you're going to have to put the work in to maintain it. Can I tell you something? The Christians that you and I look at as heroes, do you know why there are heroes? It's not maybe because they were the smartest or knew as much about the Bible as more than anybody else. Can I tell you, they are Christians who have worked hard to maintain the good work that God began in their life. Folks, you got to work at that. It's not going to happen by accident. I was reading in Job today about what Job said in chapter number 13. Listen to his testimony. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. 
How did Job get the testimony? I mean, good night. All that he went through, he didn't quit. And the very end, what does the Bible say? The very end, the Bible says the end was better than the beginning. How did it get better? Well, in chapter 13, verse 15, he says, I will maintain my own ways before him. Job had to stay on the job to keep the good thing going that God had in his life, no matter how difficult it was. Now, what's the definition? You know me, I love, I love definitions. The word maintain or maintenance, here's what it means. It means to be attentive to. To be attentive to. I talked to my brother this afternoon. My brother works on uh, aircraft and uh, some very expensive aircraft, and part of his job is to maintain them. Every 25 hours, I called him today. I said, how often do you have to maintain your aircraft? I just want to know right quick. He says, well, some of them have general maintenance every 25 hours, and in the fire planes that, that he works on, those that go put out the fires out west, he says, after 100 hours, those planes have to land and cannot take off again until they are maintained. Why? There's too much at stake for them not to be maintained. And so they will fly him out to Vegas, up into Washington State, wherever the fires are. They'll fly my brother into there so he can work on these airplanes because they must be maintained. Why? There's too much at stake. There's too much work to do. They're trying to put fires out. Someone's life is on the line. Those planes have to be maintained. Can I tell you something? As important of a job as theirs is, putting out those kind of fires, here we are as the people of God. We've given the great spiritual responsibility to be the spiritual firefighters of this world. That's why we've got to maintain the good work that God began in us. But you've got to be burdened about being better. Hebrews 2, 2, one of my favorite verses. The Bible says we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Do you know what that word earnest heed means? Maintain it. You better maintain it. Why? The Bible says lest we let them slip. You know, I have slipped in my life in times. I have slipped. I have fallen out of the will of God. I have walked out of the will of God at times in my life. Can I tell you? When each and every one of us, as they sang about a moment ago, whether, whether you're Thomas or whether you're Peter, can I tell you why you slipped and why I slipped? We weren't maintaining the good work that God did in our life. 1 Peter 5, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. You know what it means to be sober, be vigilant? It means maintain constant guard. Maintain constant guard. The other day, my wife sent me a text. And excuse me for getting it wrong, honey, but this was the basic idea. She sent me a gif. It was a gif of a house burning, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, the text said something along this line, we have to burn down our house. I don't know if you've ever gotten that text from your spouse. <laughs> but you know the next, text, the next text is going to be a good one, no matter what. I'm thinking, she has found an infestation of rattlesnakes in our closet. That's why she's saying that. Or she has found a nest of killer bees up in the attic of our house. That's why we have to burn it down. I said, why? She texted me one word back, gecko. <laughs> like it's a little dramatic, isn't it? Burn down the house. You know those little clear ones? I don't know that I ever saw them before we moved to Hattiesburg. Y'all have like little clear geckos here. They're all over the... They're all over our carport. He's running around there. And evidently one of them just wanted to, he probably smelled the pumpkin spice she had going there in the, in the living room. That candle's smelling good. He's like, man, I want to go in there and smell that. And somehow he got into our house. And then he went behind the vanity. She's like, okay, well, if I can't catch him, the only way to get rid of him is burn the house down. 
burn it down. I'm like, okay, honey, we cannot do that. Number one, this is not our house, okay? Uh, I don't want to live in a camper ever, ever again. Can I tell you, listen to me, the devil's kind of like that gecko. If you don't maintain vigilance, be sober, to give earnest heed, if you don't maintain the good work, he's going to slip in and burn down your spiritual house. Can I tell you tonight, the burden to be better begins with maintenance. Maintenance has got to be a must. I am going to maintain it. I am going to give my attention to the will of God and the desire for him in my life to be better. But let's see how we do that, all right? There's a key to it right there in verse 8. The Bible says that they which have believed in God might be, that word next is very important, careful. That might be careful to maintain good works. You say, well, I want to maintain good works and the good work of God in my life. I want to be a better Christian tomorrow. How do I do that? Number two, caring is key. The Bible says be careful. Caring is key. At some point, keeping the good things of God going in your life and the good work of God going in your life, do you know what it's going to boil down to? If you care or not. If you care or not. You ever thought about the things you maintain? Is it your car? Your boat? Your guns? Man, it's just going to be deer season. I can't believe that. Excited about that. Who was I talking to the other day? Brother, I think it was Brother Wayne. Brother Wayne said he's ready to shoot something. I said, me too. I'm ready to shoot something too, Brother Wayne. We're going to go shoot something, not someone. Okay, some of you are looking panicked. Uh, getting our guns out, getting them cleaned up. Do you know the things that we maintain? Very simple. The things we maintain are the things we care about. Think about it. The things we care about. You know, as much as our, our kids might get on our nerves from time to time, we, we take care of them, don't we? Take them to the doctor. Take them to the dentist. Make sure they got good haircuts. Expensive shoes. Why don't we maintain them? Well, believe it or not, guys, we care about you, right? Can I tell you tonight, becoming a better believer, what God desires for is that we keep the good works of God going in our life. At some point, you're going to have to decide, do you really care about being better? You know, complacency is, is an evil that can sneak into any of our lives. I, I've, only, I've only been around this earth 43 years um, I've been saved 34 years, and uh, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to hold right here. I, you know what, I'm, I'm definitely not as bad as that guy. I may not be as good as that guy over there, but I'm definitely not as bad as that guy. I'm just going to become complacent. You see, we're losing our care to be better, and we're losing our care to maintain the good work that God began in our life. Hebrews 2.2, when it says we let them slip, can I tell you how we let them slip? We don't care as much as we should. We just don't care as much as we should. I think it was Lee Robertson years ago. My dad took me to hear him preach as a kid, and he says it takes three to thrive. I know some folks don't like that. It takes three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and hey, throw in Sunday school, it'd be a bonus, fourth, amen? So how am I, I going to be faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night? Look, I know everybody can't come. I know we have health problems from time to time. I know we have bad weather from time to time. But I'll tell you, you'd be amazed at how much more we could do and how much better we could do if we cared. I've talked to some of you, and I won't call you out by name, but uh, I know you hate your job. All right? It's not the two guys behind me. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but, but you didn't name in that, Brother AJ, did you? Glad to have Brother AJ back. Isn't it good to have him back? Amen. All the way back from Florida. Glad to have him back with us. I missed him. Brother, Mike, uh, Brother Michael sat in your chair uh, while you were gone. I'll just let you know that. 
uh, behind the pulpit there, so y'all can take care of that after the service. Can I just tell you something tonight? You're going to maintain what you care about. You're going to maintain what you care about. The things in your life that are important to you, the things you're going to give your attention to are things you care about. We can do more than we're doing, but we've got to care. The Bible says to be careful. That means full of care. Colossians 3, 2, the Bible says to set our affection on things above. You know what the word affection means? It means care. To set our affections or our cares, it literally means to set our affections, means to direct our affections. Now, if God says I'm to direct my affections or set my care on things above, that means that I have the ability to do that, right? You say, well, I want to care, but I just can't. No, the Bible says you have the power through the grace of God to direct your affections or direct your care. Prime example, Brother Richard and I pick at each other often because for some odd reason he likes celery. I'll never understand why. It's crunchy, hairy water. That's it. I have dunked it in ranch. I haven't done the peanut butter and the, the ants on the raisins, whatever it's called, the raisins. I haven't done that yet. But I have dunked it in ranch and I still have not gotten it. And can I tell you why? I don't buy it because I don't care. I don't care. And I don't usually say those words, okay? I hate using the term, I don't care. I don't try not to use it around our house because I try to care about most things. But when it comes to celery, I don't. I don't. I don't care. Eat it. Have all you want. Brother Richard sends me pictures. He eats it for lunch. I've been praying he gets saved. I really, I really pray he gets saved before long. I mean, he just eats it. There's just nothing to it. It's crunchy water. Why do I not pay any attention to celery when I'm going down the aisle there in produce at Corner Market? Because I don't care. I don't care. You can have the cauliflower too. I don't care anything about it at all. You see, our attention is what we give to things that we care about. That's why we're not any better than we are and as good as we should be because we don't care like we should. If we really cared about lost people, we'd carry tracks around with us. If we really cared. If we really cared about somebody being saved, we'd find a way to begin the conversation with our coworker. But we don't. Why? We don't really care. At some point, caring has got to become key for us. And the Bible says we have the opportunity to direct our care. Real quickly, all right? It is 6.02. Time is flying because we are having fun. Turn to your right. Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to see something. Hebrews chapter 11, and I want you to look down real quickly to verse 25. I'm going to close in just a moment. I want you to watch what happened in the life of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now think about this. Refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was giving up a lot. Opportunity, resources, power, clout, you name it, one of the most powerful people on the planet. But for some reason, in, in verse 24... The Bible says he chose. You know what he was doing? He was directing his care. Moses says, verse 24, I don't care. I don't care. Well, well, why did he decide to do that? We'll keep reading. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Can I tell you how Moses did what he did? 
he had to decide what he cared about. Egypt or eternity? Egypt or eternity? He says, wait a minute. Egypt, it's seasonal. It's seasonal. Eternity is eternal. So watch. On the little dial of affections, he turned his dial that way. He set his affections. Why? Because that's what he cared about more. We don't have time tonight to go into this, but watch real quickly. I'm going to walk through here real quick. Verse 24, he refused. Do you know why we refuse the things we refuse? Because of what we care about. Verse 25, he chose. Do you know why we choose what we choose? Because what we care about. You look down, the Bible says he endured. Do you know why he endured? Because of what he cared about. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. Do you know why we forsake the things we forsake? Do you know why Demas forsook Paul? Because what he cared about. You see, our, our life is going to follow our affections. We are going to choose and forsake and endure all based on what we care about. And at some point, we've got to care about being better in the life that God's called us to live. So number two, caring is key. And then finally... Let's skip on down real quick. Finally, you're going to look down, go back to Titus 3. They which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Watch this. These things are good and profitable unto men. They are good and profitable Unto men. What will help us have a greater burden to be better? Notice finally the last part of verse number eight. Profit is the purpose. Profit is the purpose. You say, what do you mean? Well, understand this way. When we are trying to decide whether to be better tomorrow than we were today, can I tell you what ought to motivate us? The profit. That when the Lord Jesus comes back and one day we stand before him and we give an account for what we did in this life. What we will have wanted is to have profited something. Now, what is a profit? A profit is gain beyond what was invested. Profit is when you have gained more than what you were given. You see, if we want to be better than we were to tomorrow than we were today, at some point we've got to start thinking about living a profitable Christian life. Meaning, watch this, God has invested in us so much. Look, you may not be all you want to be. You may not have the health you desire to have, but oh, God's invested so much in us. God has begun a good work in us, and the question is, when he returns and we stand before him, are we going to have anything beyond what he invested in us? Is that it? Go back to the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. What did he call the servant who did not have anything more than what he was given? An unprofitable servant. What did he call the ones? who had gained beside those they had added to it, he called them faithful. Do you know what another word for faithful is? Maintain. Maintain. Man, I don't know what the guy that had the five, the guy that had the two, I don't know how they went and multiplied their talents. I know they went, took them to the exchange. I don't know how hard they had to work. But I tell you, they maintained it. They were profitable because they were faithful. At some point, if we desire to be better, the last thing is simply about profit. Do we want to have more than we were given when we began? When you read that, that passage in the parable of the talents, the Bible says, I have gained beside them. 
I have gained beside them. Can I ask you this tonight? What have you gained beside what you were given? What have you gained beside you were given? Tonight, uh, well, Sunday night a week ago, Dad and I went up to the fair to help Uncle Jerry take his trailer down. And uh, I said, what time to be there? He said, be there about 9 o'clock. So we went there about 9 o'clock to help tear the signage down and get all packed up for the fair in Alabama. And uh, people just kept getting on the, the bus. All right? So it's Sunday night. You know, Sunday night, I like to go home and rest a little bit. Uh, it's the one day a week I work. And so, you know, I want to get some sleep and go home and melt into the couch. And so we get up there at 9 o'clock. People are still getting on the bus. And you can't get mad because you're like, oh, could you people hurry up and get saved or I can go home, you know, and get back to the house? No, you don't want to say that. So 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. <laughs> I wanted to put out an announcement. If anybody else wants to get saved, could you come all at one time and get on the bus and hear the gospel and be saved? And we're sitting there talking after the fair, and Uncle Jerry says, I, I think we had 109 uh, professions of faith this week at the fair on the creation trailer, 109. Uh, Uncle Jerry is, uh, has been one of my mentors all of my, my life and my ministry, and thank God for that man. It's hard not to get around him without having a greater burden for souls. And I, I thought about him, and I says, boy, one day when he stands before God, can you imagine the countless souls that he will have besides the one that was saved when God saved his soul? That's profit. That's profit. You saved my soul, and by the grace of God, he was able to win this one and this one and this one and this one. All these people got saved beside them. Can I ask you tonight, what do you have beside you? What do you have beside you? That's profit. What are you going to have tonight if you stand before God? I mean, God forbid, we've had three folks this week and three folks in the last ten days before that who went home to be with the Lord. Can I ask you tonight, when your time comes and you draw that last breath, Will you have done any better than when you first got saved? Or did you gain anything beside what God had invested in you? At this moment, we have time because we're still here. The question is, are we burdened enough to be better? Are we burdened about it? You know what? I, I don't want to just be the guy I was today. I want to be better tomorrow. There's already things on my list I want to be better at tomorrow. And by the grace of God, I can. How do we do that? Main, maintenance must be a must. you got to decide tomorrow on all the things you have to do. Maintenance and maintaining the good work of God in your life is going to be a must. You're going to do it tomorrow. How do you do that? Well, number one, number two, you got to care. you got to care. You hate your job. But you're going to grunt through it. Why? Because you care about that paycheck. I promise you the goodness of God is, is worth working just as hard for as your job. But we got to care. Well, what motivates us at the end? Profit. Am I going to have profited anything with my life tonight? The burden is simple. The burden is to be better. And I believe by the grace of God we can. Amen. Let's pray. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. Father, I thank you tonight.